a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This time it will be about defending my own record. We're going to lay out the contrast tonight, and it's on. This is Live Mike with Lee Lunsbury. Special coverage of Utah's vice presidential debate on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. It's 2.06. That is the KSL News Time, and I am broadcasting to you live from the campus of the University of Utah, of course, because it is this campus which will play host to the vice presidential debate. The one and only Senator Kamala Harris will take to the stage alongside Vice President Mike Pence, and they will duke it out. They will uh, speak on behalf of themselves, on behalf of their running mates. We'll likely hear some digs about one another. Uh, We will uh, certainly have our eyes and ears glued to that. You'll hear the debate live on this station, of course, and stay tuned afterwards uh, for analysis coming your way from the great Jeff Kaplan and uh, Doug Wright here on KSL News Radio. Uh, Under five hours from the debate right now, and we're taking advantage of this time we have together uh, to get ready, to prepare, to look at it. analyze all the angles that there are so that we might be best served by these candidates up on stage here this evening to help us uh, in that direction uh, invited back to the program Congressman Rob Bishop who I'll point out has served alongside uh, Mike Pence in the United States Congress uh, both members of the House of Representatives Uh, Congressman Bishop sir how are you I'm fine how are you doing today Malay not too bad at all you watching the debate tonight I'm presuming I think all of Utah will be yeah. Uh, what do you expect to see tonight? Do you have any predictions? Uh, no, I, I would never do that. I, I know both candidates personally. Um, as, as you said, I have worked closely with Mike Pence. And as far as, uh, you know, a very just good, decent person, there is nobody who is finer. What is uh, you, a history teacher before your time in Congress, also a debate coach? It's, honestly, as I think about it, there are fewer people I know uh, more you know, qualified to weigh in uh, on what we may expect in this debate here this evening. Uh, but let me talk to you, let me take a step backwards and ask you about uh, the significance of, of not only uh, vice presidential debates, which I think from, from my vantage point uh, have been pretty uh, minuscule in terms of their uh, relative impact over the years. Uh, Am I, am I right there? And what uh, do you perceive to be the importance of tonight's debate? Well, uh, look, uh, yeah, look, I am an old debate coach. And um, so what we have as far as debates in America and, in, and actually on the state level, all political debates really are not debates. They're an issue of people being able to give one-liners in there. And um, they'll probably cover too many topics. 
There will not be an, the ability of going in depth on any of them because we're talking about topics. And uh, unfortunately, there will be a lot of planned gotcha moments, uh, sound bites. You know, when 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 Benson had his debate with uh, Dan Quayle mm-hmm. and said, "You're no Jack Kennedy." Um, that was a planned line. He knew that the Quayle often talked about how he was the same age as Kennedy and had the same experience as Kennedy did when he became president. Um, and Benson was ready to use that line. So you'll see some of those things coming through there, which which are, are different. The other thing I want people to remember is this is as much a visual event as it is an audio event. So in the Kennedy-Nixon debates, the first ones in 1960, those that, that heard it on radio thought, Nixon won, had the better arguments. Those that watched it on television thought that Kennedy had won because he looked different. As and, and people will remember certain lines, but people will remember how they are delivered more than what they actually said. And that's one of the sad things about about political debates, the way we handle them in America today, uh, on both the state level as well as the national level. It's as much it's as much what we see as what you hear. In fact, in the 76 debate between Jimmy Carter and Gerald Ford, the audio went off for about 18 minutes. And they, both candidates just stood there, not moving, because they didn't know what it would look like if they did anything. It never happened before. That was the first debate since the 1960 debate anyway. And so how they looked was probably as much as important to them as well as as the audience as what they actually said. You mentioned that what we uh, will be treated to tonight, what we saw last week, and what has been uh, the norm for presidential debates for some time, they're not actually debates and that too many topics are fit in. Uh, As... As a former debate coach, uh, wh- wh- why is that the case? What makes them? What is a debate, and what are we seeing uh, before us today? Well, the chance to go into detail is you don't have time to do it. The, the time limits they give gives you enough time to say the soundbite or maybe respond to a soundbite with another soundbite, and no one actually can go into a deep level. And nor do I know if you actually have the structure to do so. If you're allowing candidates to ask questions of each other, the fear is they might look might look mean or they might look soft. Uh, and if the if the moderator does it, you always have the fear that the moderator looks like he or she is giving favorites to somebody else. I would love them to, for example, uh, a, a lot of people are talking about the, the budget bill that was passed here saying they voted against it because it was too high. Well, we knew, those of us here, that it was going to pass anyway. We knew that the, the Republican Senate tried to lower it. The Democrat House refused it. This was as good as it was going to get. And if you didn't vote for this one, the only alternative, if it failed, was for the government to be shut down. I would love to actually have somebody ask them to philosophically talk about which is their higher priority. Mm. Not in the world of black and white, this is what I want to do, but if you are faced with having to make these choices in the area that's gray, what's more important? But no vote on the budget bill or the government shutdown. Where are your priorities? We never really do get the opportunity of going into those types of questions, which to me I would find more fascinating because it shows you the mindset that a, a potential office holder would have. 
Oh, that makes some sense. Uh, what about this? Do Americans, do we have the attention span to to narrow the number or to lessen the number of topics? I think tonight, uh, Susan Page, moderator of tonight's vice presidential debate, I think she's anticipating uh, nine different topics, each of them being allotted 10 minutes of, of time. Is Should that, that number come down? And if it were to come down, uh, would you lose uh, would you lose the attention of American viewers? I actually I don't know to be honest with you. Um, my assumption would be maybe the amount total length of the debate could be shorter, and then try and cover less. But one of the other things too that would be helpful, and I've, yeah. I've noticed this on the debates in which I have been required to be a part of, you never know what the topics are, the questions ahead of time, and I've often wondered why. What if you talk to, uh, give the candidates the ability of being prepared for the issue? and then give them the chance of having more time to discuss some of the nuances of that particular issue other than just hearing the question for the first time in almost a gotcha mode to it. Um, and, and that doesn't happen. We, we don't really allow the candidates to be prepared, and we expect them then to pontificate. Uh, well, I, I think that adds to the one-liner kinds of discussions that we have. Yeah. Because the the topics are not out there, and and people are are not really having a chance to deep deeply dive into it or give the the chance to think through where they would really like to go with those with those issues. And interestingly, tonight we we don't yet have a sense of what will be discussed uh, in the presidential debate of last Tuesday. Uh, Chris Wallace made it known first to the Commission on Presidential Debates, who then publicized uh, the the list of topics that would be discussed. Uh, not sure what impact that had on last Tuesday, uh, but I can tell you, as someone preparing for the debate, I, I sure wish I knew what would be discussed here this evening. And I think you're right uh, that for the candidates to have uh, a sense of what would be discussed, uh, they may be able to spend more time. Uh, preparing to discuss them more profoundly instead of, uh, you know, grab, gathering up a, a superficial presentation for any number of hundreds of topics which could come up. Yeah, well, it, it happens. And, and, and let's face it, I don't know if people vote for the vice president or not. I don't know if people vote for the lieutenant governor or not, which I found out painfully myself. <laughs> um, but... It, it is important, too, because obviously, you know, the, the vice president is uh, one heartbeat away from the presidency. Yeah. It is important to realize that that person not only has influence on the person who is president, but could be the one making presidential decisions by himself or herself. Yeah. And I, I think it's important for people to see. And, and I, I think with these two candidates, you clearly have a difference in philosophy and a difference in vision of government. I, I don't think it could be any starker than a difference between Harris and uh, and Pence. Fantastic. Congressman Bishop, thank you so much uh, for your time. Uh, looking forward to touching base with you again in the future. Hope all is well. Well, we'll see how many Dr. Peppers I go through watching this one. That's the way. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we return, I've told you about some of these lucky University of Utah students who entered their name into a drawing. Uh, a hand was reached into that hat, a name drawn. And they, in fact, uh, found themselves on the receiving end of what we've been affectionately calling a golden ticket. Well, guess what? We've got a trio of golden ticket recipients. Three Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. 
But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.